Hi, everybody. Mike Rothman here, General Manager of Techstone Research with yet another episode of Techstone Research Review. It's maybe 19, Mitch, and maybe 20. I, I, you know, I lose track. We keep doing this stuff. Hopefully, it's adding some value. Remember, you can get it as a podcast as well. If you want to, you know, kind of check it out when you're on your walk or trying to fall asleep or, you know, I, I don't know. Whatever it is that, that that you guys do when you're podcasting, now you have an option to get the text from Research Review uh, via podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Mitch Ashley, uh, who is uh, principal at uh, Textron Research, as well as our CTO. So, and and that CTOing will come in handy in a couple of minutes when we actually dig into uh, our topic, because Mitch has been CTOing and. Um, it's been it's, it's helpful from from a research. Like adult, Rich, how are you? Technical. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You get talking about how many episodes. I'm I'm running out of fingers and toes. I don't know how I'm going to do. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we just keep cranking along. You know, mostly every week we're here chatting it up, and 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 this week we're going to go back to AI. Why? Because everybody else is. So we've got to do that. We were just joking before, um, you know, everybody gets an AI. It's like AI Oprah out there, you know, just look under your seat. There's an AI for you. AI, um, and we all get an AI. Hey. Everybody gets an AI. Uh, so AI has been in the news, obviously, with ChatGPT and now the, the emergence of uh, GPT-4, which I, I use actually quite a bit, and, and it is significantly better, a little slower, you know, but significantly better uh, from the standpoint of, of kind of results. And I'm always double-checking what it is that, you know, they say. I'm not just doing cut and paste on, on that front, but uh, it is helpful to frame, to help frame out, you know, things. It's helpful to make sure I'm not missing stuff that uh, I already know. So, so for me in my day to day work, it it's actually pretty helpful from that standpoint. But the 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 naysayers, right? The nervous Nellies, they have emerged this week. Uh, a number of them sending a letter to OpenAI uh, with Elon Musk, who's actually the first founder of OpenAI, or the first funder. So he put the first money in there. So so you know he does have. Uh, a long-standing uh, opinion as well as relationship with these folks, uh, saying we maybe need to pull back on it, right? With GPT-4, it, it's such a jump beyond GPT-3.5 and, and what's, you know, kind of uh, strapped into or, or, or used by, by chat GPT, um, that we just, we're not sure of the ramifications. We don't know right, what, the, what the real risks are and, and how to control them and make sure that uh, we're not, you know, kind of running headlong into our Skynet moment, right? Um, that I think everybody is, is worried about. And, and I, I think you have to be a certain age to, to understand that. And, and if you're not, look it up. Skynet, it, you know, it'll be very educational for you. Podcast called Skynet. Uh, so, so, Mitch, what do you what do you think of this? You know, again, you know, kind of the backlash has has hit, right? Everything's been about you know ChatGPT, you know, all over the place for the last uh, you know six weeks or so. Now we're starting to see the backlash. Uh, all those uh, sci-fi books I read. You know? They're happening. You know, uh, the you know the three roles of Asma's three roles of robotics and. And uh, Goliath, the computer taking over the, you know, war games, all that stuff, reading books from back in the even 60s and before. But it, it, it's interesting. So we've we we have crossed this Rubicon where now AI tools have become general purpose and, and now everybody has access to it. Yeah, there were kind of interesting, uh, uh, interesting novelties for generating images and that kind of stuff. 
I think people are interested in ChatGPT so much because it's so easy just to add, talk to it like a search engine, right. right? And you can kind of see what it does and how I might use it and you can go crazy about it or not. The the whole uh, AI safety is a topic that's been around for a long time. Matter of fact, as I've done my reading about open AI, and I haven't followed it from the beginning, but that was kind of one of the purposes of it. It was to be more altruistic to create AI models and do things safely. Matter of fact, once Microsoft did their investment, some of the people left because they were unhappy with the commercialism of, commercialism of it. But And it's also happening now because uh, just recently part of Microsoft's layoffs uh, and with their announcement of uh, Copilot in the Office products, ChatGPT kind of built into Office, and some of their uh, ethics and society um, researchers, you know, they let that group go and they're pushing those issues down into the individual product teams. So we're at this point where, okay, the financial and the business interests versus the what potentially bad could happen leading up to an AI apocalypse in the worst case, you know, scenario, you don't know it's going to happen. So we have to kind of let it out and see what it's going to do. And of course, the concern is, well, if you let it out, it may get get so far out you can't pull it back. But there is never any pulling back. We can't pull the cloud back. You can't right. pull blockchain back. You can't pull, you know, whatever any of that stuff back. Right? It just it's when we create things, they tend to get out into the world. COVID and and and, uh, <laughs> and other stuff like right. that. Not to create a conspiracy theory or build on any, but anyway, I, we can get into the details of it. But that's what fascinates me is. We're now in the public consciousness, and then it's coming back. AI safety because this has been talked about for a long time. It's not a new topic. AI safety and some of the concerns. Well, it, it's not, and, and and I do think that you know, kind of a lot of the issues that folks are are voicing are legitimate issues. I push back a little bit on this idea. Well, everybody has it, and 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 the bad folks are going to get it, and 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 they're going to use it against us, and it's going to be. Hard. I mean, I heard the same stuff when when HD Moore open sourced Metasploit, you know, kind of back in the day, right? Oh my God! And obviously, it was a much smaller community, and it was you know 15 years ago, and and we weren't as mature, we weren't as complicated, you know, in any aspect of of technology. But I heard the same stuff, which is if you give, you know, basically amateurs, you know, real hacking tools, they're going to do a lot of damage. Well, guess what? They're going to do a lot of damage anyway. Getting the tools, if anything, it, it sets a low bar, right? A low bar in terms of what your security has to be able to protect. And I think this is a similar type of structure, right? We have a low bar in terms of what we have to be able to protect against because everybody has access to, to chat GPT. Everybody's going to have access to, you, you know, these, you know, voice you know, kind of AI voice generator type things. You, you know, I, I love the the, uh, the the picture of the Pope in his you know big puffy jacket. Of course, it was fake, right? And 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 we have what that means is we have to get better at being able to detect a lot of these fake things. Like we had to get better at detecting attacks that came from you know something like like Metasploit. So again, I use my little experience back in the day, um, you know, in one area to try to extrapolate it to everything else. And obviously, we're dealing with a much bigger scale. And I'm not going to say there are no concerns because there are, especially from uh, an ethics standpoint. But man, I'm just, I've been doing this too long, right? You open up Pandora's box, the box is open, man. You can't close the box, right? You can't say, oh, hey, we're going to stop 
you, you know, um, evolution on this part. I mean, it's just it, it's in the wild. It's going to do stuff. Right. People are going to advance it. And and you brought up the idea of commercialism. I think that's actually a really important aspect of this in that Microsoft. And again, they are a for profit company. They work on the benefit and, and advantage to their shareholders as they need to. They've invested a significant amount of capital. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff to integrate these capabilities into maybe all of their product lines in some way, shape or form. You, you can't put that back in the box. Right. So now it's really about how can we, um, you know, try to kind of keep pace from a policy standpoint, kind of keep pace, you know, from a, a threat modeling standpoint. That was one of the things we talked about at TextronCon, right, which was, you know, kind of how do you start to evolve your, you know, kind of architecture, design, planning and threat modeling uh, in order to factor in the reality that, you know, you're going to be getting, you know, stuff from non-humans, right? You're going to be getting AI is going to be generating aspects of pretty much all of our applications moving forward. So it's not a matter of hey how do we how do we you know kind of rein this thing in it's more a matter of of what do we do now that it's on the road right how what kind of guardrails can we put up so that uh it doesn't you know get to that apocalyptic moment which you know again i just keep getting back with man it would be really screwed up if if uh you know you know james cameron was right all those years ago <laughs> no doubt well so there, there's so many parallels or, or analogs that you can tie back to things that we've been through like um, you know, how, how do we tell that it's a real person versus an automated bot, right? We know how to do that now. There's a time when we didn't know how. No, that's right. That's right. And it's kind of the same thing with AI, right? How do we know this is a real person did this? How do we know it's fake? What if it's built on fake or false or inaccurate information that's perceived to be accurate? And it causes a, a cascading series of things to happen all based on bad information. But we think it's good because it sounds like it was it's human or close to human generated. I think that's the the one variable that's different about AI is, is we're at this point where can you detect whether it's human created or not? And do you know how it was built in the sources that it came from? So if you can't tell if it's Mike and Mitch created this, right, when their collaboration or it just got created somewhere else and it looks like Mike and Mitch created it and there's you can't tell the difference, that's where I think people are a little concerned about it. So all that to say, I'm in total agreement, you know, tilting at windmills, spitting in the wind, whatever analogy we want to make of let's all stop for six months. Yeah, while China does this and Russia does that and everybody else in the world does that. Not there's some interesting interesting things happening that you know I this I just find fascinating. For example, there were some researchers at Stanford who bought from Meta, Facebook, their own large language model, kind of like ChatGPT. They had their own, but they had kind of dumbed it down and just provided the model and some of the uh, some of the intelligence built into it through through the data. So they took that model and then they plugged it into getting input. Uh, output that it was input from uh, chat GPT <laughs> and they actually recreated much of the same model using a different AI engine to build its knowledge base. So AI kind of creating AI, at least as the source uh, for data. So there's all these things that we're now 
kind of experimenting with and seeing That's right. hey, what's possible, what's good, and what has unintended consequences, and it doesn't matter. Right? And, and just to find the edge cases, right? And that's what hackers do, right? That's been my world for a long time. And to, I saw I saw a Twitter post by my friend Jaime Blasco, who's one of the founders of Nudge Security. He was one of the founders of Alien Vault, you know, way back when, you know, real big brain, you know, kind of security guy. And, and he did an experiment to see if he could get uh, chat GPT to, I, I want to say develop malware or, 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 you know, kind of put places. It was something that was, you know, kind of malicious and, and, you know, he does the first thing and chat GPT says, I can't do that, you know, based on that. And then he, he sent the instructions in Morse code. And he said, send me back the answer in Morse code. And that got around, you know, kind of the defenses that, you know, open AI. It's like, how do you think of that, right? I mean, how do you sit there and go, what if I would have sent it Morse code? You, you know, it's just, again, just the innovation, right? The creative thinking that you see out of these folks to try to really test the boundaries of that stuff. That makes it better because I guarantee you somebody opened eyes and said, holy crap, somebody sent this thing Morse code. And, you know, we got to put up a guardrail in, in order to do that. And that's how we learn. Right. So pulling back the reins is not going to, you know, stop the innovation. It's not going to stop malicious folks from, you know, using it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we've beaten this one, you, you know, to to a pulp uh, on that front. There's no way to put it back in the box. So now we got to figure out how to make it work. But what we are focused on. And again, you're going to see a lot of stuff out of TechStrong on this over the next six weeks. Um, is really the practical applications of AI. And, you, you know, it's interesting, right? Sometimes you just see big companies and they lumber along and blah, 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 you know, and, and they never get anywhere real fast. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm astounded by what Microsoft is doing and, and how quickly they are, you know, integrating, you, you know, generative AI into almost everything they're doing, right? First example of that was Copilot within GitHub. Uh, I want you to talk about that in a second. Uh, but they've also recently announced that they're going to have security Copilot along with their, you know, kind of security suite, mostly, you know, for Azure uh, and Office 365 to provide uh, a whole mess of stuff. You had just mentioned that they're integrating it into, you know, the office suite. So it, it's one of these things where, I, I mean, this is a, just a huge ass company, right? And they are moving as fast as the most nimble startup to get this thing everywhere, right? And and, and have it accessing uh, all sorts of things. So so again, we are really at the precipice of this. And, and I, I'll tell you, in hindsight, that 10 billion Microsoft, you know, kind of invested in, in open AI may turn out to be um, you know, just one of the more significant value creating investments that that we will look back and say, wow, that they got, you know, pretty decent return uh, on that. On that a massive return from it. But, but tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of you, I know you played around with, with Copilot in, in GitHub a bit. Oh, yeah, I've been, you know, I've been using it that for a while on IntelliSense from uh, in Microsoft Visual uh, Studio, both of which are based on the same open AI codecs. Um, just to kind of different flavors of it implemented. And, and it's always, you know, for non-programmers, think about it as grammar completion of a sentence in an email or in a document or grammarly kind of thing for programmers. And it's been sort of at this code completion stage for a while, where now it's, it, you've begun to use it, you know, more recently, 
it's putting in code for you. So for example, I was looking at an example in a, in a book and said, I want to try something like that. So I started to actually type in the first couple of commands and it, it filled out the rest of it for me. It knew what I was, and I'd just barely given it a, a information, enough information to tell what I was doing. I'm like, yeah, that's actually part of it. And there's the, the um, you know, we're getting to the natural language, write a, write a subroutine that does the following thing for me. And some of those things you can do now, and I think it'll get better and better. Of course, everybody jumps to the, well, we're not going to need developers. Yeah, we still don't need operations people, but we have right. operations people. We still don't need security people. We still have security people. I, I don't buy into the, yeah. you know, 80% of our white collar workers are going to be gone in 20 years. But um, it, it, I think the, What's important to me about it is it's a productivity tool for software creators, and it makes it accessible to more people. You don't have to be a Python expert. There's a lot of people. By the way, Copilot says 27% of people uh, in using Copilot accept the recommendation by uh, Copilot when they're developing, except when you're using Python, 40% plus of people accept the recommendation. I suspect that's because there's a lot of people learning Python. It's very popular, right? It's kind of an entry point language for us. So I think it's all about productivity of our developers. Where there's real questions are, it's kind of like back in open source, Mike. Like, should we use this open source? Are we allowed to? Are we licensed to? What's going to happen? Right. You know, there's all these questions that come from it. We're kind of at that stage now about Copilot and IntelliSense when it's really pulling in code from other places. Because there have been some instances where somebody's raised their hand and said, that's my project, and you didn't attribute it to me, but that's my code right. showing up through this auto-completion code assist kind of thing. Yeah, That'll get worked out. It, it, you know, it's not going to get worked out by stopping <laughs> back to that topic. <laughs> so, But I'm really positive sure. about it. I'm, I'm super excited about how this can help do things faster, better. Why do I want to write the same crap I've been writing for 40 years? Let that go by. Let that do it for me. I want to work on the next cool thing. And that's what developers will be able to do. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that's most exciting to me about something like Security Copilot, a couple of things. One is I've always said we, we are not going to get there from the standpoint of training up new security folks to meet the demand, right? We're not going to get there. Right. So what we need to do is make the folks that we have, even though they may not have exactly the skills that they need in order to be fully productive, we have to figure out how to accelerate their development using technology. Right. And something like Security Copilot can do that. And you start thinking about, ah, I don't want it to have access to my data. And what does that mean? And, and Microsoft was very clear, again, to their credit, they were very clear about the fact that all of the privacy you know, kind of policies that we have in place, all of those regulations apply just like you're using anything else in Azure, right? All that other stuff, what you, you know, what they do with your data in Sentinel, uh, their, their, their Azure based SIM, right? All those privacy policies are still in force, are still in play on that front. So you don't have to worry about, you know, kind of them training up some other machine, you know, with your very sensitive data or doing something like that. So again, they're starting, they're, they're thinking about, it, right? They're proactive in terms terms of trying to head folks off at the pass. And listen, anything 
thing that is going to enrich the data that you see in your security dashboard is going to help folks that haven't been doing this for 20 years, that don't know how to pivot and don't know, you, you know, kind of what directions to go. And once these things, you, you know, kind of hit their, you, you know, alert queue, right? Anything you can do to reduce the amount of churn they have to help them focus and drive them down a path to isolate, you know, kind of the issue, understand about proliferation, get a sense of validating the attacks. This is good stuff, right? So it's going to be really interesting to, again, see how AWS had always been kind of out front in terms of the knobs that they had for security folks to do mm -hmm. things, uh, right? Azure certainly has been well ahead in terms of actually productizing a lot of these things. And now you throw security copilot in, into the mix and you start to say, huh, I know I'm multi-cloud, but maybe I just leave the AWS, you know, or the GCP stuff, you know, kind of over there for, for the, you know, tool belt folks who really know what they're doing and our general purpose stuff. I'm going to put in Azure because I have all these other security structures around it. I don't know that that's the case, but I could definitely, you know, kind of build a scenario where, you know, this continues to solidify Microsoft's position at the center of that tech stack, because what are they doing? They're helping folks who don't know what they're doing be sort of effective. Right. And, and that's kind of where we're at, especially in security. I mean, we need to have technology that's going to really impact that favorably. Yeah, we're never going to hire. It's all about hiring more people and teaching more people not to click on things. Well, we need to do those, but that ain't going to solve it. It's interesting, too, in, in Security Copilot, I think one of the smart things, and I don't usually say this all the time, Microsoft and smart things in the same sentence, but is um, they said essentially the data, the data privacy usage of using Copilot is the same as the products that it's getting the data from Microsoft is your products. And so we're not adding a, oh yeah, but we're going to send all your stuff to, you know, some other continent and let people analyze it. Um, so, you, so, so that part of the safety or use of my information was, I think is going to be less of an yeah. issue for folks to say it. And, and the other side of it is what's the first thing you need to do in a security incident? What happened? connect the dots of from A to, to Q of what the sequence of events were, what's affected and what do we need then need to take action and understand it. So it, it I think it'll accelerate that greatly you know, for folks using those Microsoft tools. And that's, that's huge. I think the CISOs of the world are gonna say, that I like, I want more, like get me to the answer quicker so I can make decisions right. and respond right. to the business and you know curb the damage if there is any. Right. And take action to fix it. You bet. So and again, just to keep everything clear. Right. This is just a smidgen of a smidgen of stuff that, you know, we were going to need to kind of poke through and pull through over the next six months as we really start to enter into this age of, of AI. Right. And start to really understand the application of this technology, the use cases that really, you know, impact how it is that we do technology. And again, it's it's really just such an exciting time. Again, I feel like it's when we first started doing cloud and people are just like, what? 
I, I don't have to roll out all those servers. What? I, I don't know the <laughs> networks. I program them. What? Right. You, you know, and it took folks a little bit of time. This is much more tangible, right? I mean, you get in there at least generative, right? Obviously, you know, iterative and a bunch of other, you know, kind of AI techniques are a little bit, you know, far afield from, uh, you know, general populace. Um, but, you, you know, it's just a very exciting time. We could talk about this stuff all day. Unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> we, we've got a, we, one, we've got day jobs and two, we, we also have to, you know, kind of wrap things up at, at, at some point. But uh, again, just keep in mind, this is, uh, again, an exciting time. And what we do at TechStrong is get out in front of a lot of these, you know, kind of emerging capabilities, whether it was DevOps back in the day, you know, open source stuff, obviously security, you know, cloud native, uh, all of these things, again, TechStrong has been, you know, really at the front end of that. And, and AI is, is something that we've identified as something we need to be at the front end on and, and we are going to be. So keep an eye on all of that. Um, and for any of you folks that are going to RSA, um, we just announced our disaster recovery breakfast, which is now a textual production. Oh, my God. Um, Thursday morning, we're doing the security bloggers meetup as well on Wednesday night. Um, so just keep an eye on our social feeds because that's where you're going to get uh, a lot of the uh, latest uh, and greatest updates in terms of, of where we are and what we're going to be doing at the big RSA conference happening and if you're concerned, no data will be harmed at the disaster right. recovery. We will not be sharing. We will not be sharing any data at the disaster. Don't worry. <laughs> good, good. Well, Mitch, always a pleasure. Again, we could start peeling back this thing, and it just like we blink, and it's 25 minutes later, and the production guys are going to kick our butt about running too long. But it's okay. Uh, and it really is going to be the first of what are many discussions and, and many research uh, initiatives that we have at TechStrong regarding AI. So with that, have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week where uh, maybe we won't talk about AI. Maybe we will. We'll see. <laughs> maybe we will. But we'll certainly see you next week and at RSA. So looking forward to seeing everybody there.